welcome to the Spiritual Awakenings podcast. I'm David Lorimer, co-editor of a new book, Spiritual Awakenings, Scientists and Academics Describe Their Experiences. It's published by the Academy for the Advancement of Post-Materialist Sciences and is available in paperback and Kindle editions. In this series of weekly podcasts, we'll be sharing the 57 original essays together with introductions and epilogue from my co-editor, Professor Marjorie Willicott. We hope you enjoy them. Hello, this is Amit Goswami. There's a story about a tourist visiting New York. He's looking for the way to Carnegie Hall. He sees a passerby who seems reliable, so he asks, what is the way to the Carnegie Hall? The passerby is a musical virtue maestro. He replies, practice, practice, practice. Indeed, if you want to perform in Carnegie Hall, Maestro's advice is good. But what good is it for the tourist? What happened to me was similar. I was looking for not one, but two Carnegie Halls. One was the answer to the question, how do I integrate quantum physics with living my life? The second was, how do I learn to love my wife? People who I thought were reliable, all would answer, meditate, meditate, meditate. But meditation from what I knew about it was the way to God, spiritual enlightenment. Do I have to be enlightened to find answer to my question, how to love my wife? A long time ago, I read in somebody's book that the Bible says, whoso knoweth love knoweth God. The reverse could also be true though. Whoso knoweth God, knoweth love. In the West, God means an almighty individual usually pictured as a white male with a long beard. As king of kings, God stands as the model for the mortal kings of majesty and authority. Writers for women's live are scornful about this depiction. But would it be any different if God was a white female? More pretty to look at, to be sure, but that's about it. In fact, it could be a problem for men. The great Indian poet Kalidasa was a devotee of the female goddess Saraswati, and he wrote a salutation to her. And you know what? The salutation glorifies the twin peaks of the goddess more than anything else. This is not particularly spiritual, is it? I'm being facetious. In the, in the East where I grew up, there is no scope for making this confusing picture of God. In the Eastern tradition, what they glorify is the oneness or wholeness. Reality is nothing but, they say. The world of multiple objects is the illusion for which the Sanskrit word is Maya. The gods, spelled with a small g, like Saraswati, are archetypes whose exploration helps to get you to the unity. That is, their only importance. But of course, I rejected the concept of oneness as God long time ago, because that too, to me, made no scientific sense. How are we one when every part of the being I know dwells in separateness from you, even when you and I are intimate once? But when you are desperate, you grasp at straws. Could I find Eastern guidance to God or oneness in America? No worries. Since the 60s, Eastern spirituality has been gaining popularity in America. 
I have mentioned the Hare Krishna elsewhere, but the Beatles had popularized Maharishi Mahesh and his TM movement, the philosophers Alan Watts and Zen master Suzuki Roshi had popularized Zen Buddhism. Swami Muktananda had brought the idea of Shaktipat, Kundalini energy. Jitu Krishnamurti was another popular name on the spiritual scene, and there was Bhagavan Sri Rajneesh, who later became Osho. Other Hindu teachings go back even further. Vivekananda and his Vedanta societies, Paramahansi Yogananda established a group too, the Divine Life Society, and so on. But wherever I went, one advice was coming. Meditate, meditate, meditate. So one day I thought, why not? I decided to go back to my family practice, a mantra recitation called Japa. This time, something happened. This was fall 1976. As I said, Japa is a simple repetition of a one-syllable mantra in your mind. After you do it for a while, the mantra is internalized. What that means is that the mantra goes on inside you somehow, even when you are attending to other chores. So it was supposed to be going on while I was taught or when I read a scientific paper. Once in a while, I checked this out. And it was true. Whenever I checked, the mantra was going on right there. But after I did this for seven whole days, as I said, something happened. It was so special, I wrote down the experience. Here it is. On a sunny, sunny November morning, I was sitting quietly in my chair in my office doing japa. This was the seventh day since I had started, and I still had a lot of energy left. After about an hour of japa, I got an urge to take a walk outside. I continued my mantra deliberately as I walked out of my office, then out of the building, across the street, and onto the grassy meadow. And then the universe opened up to me. Words were thrown. When meadow, grove, and stream, the earth, and every common sight, to me did seem apparelled in celestial light, the glory and freshness of a dream. I seem to be one with the cosmos, the grass, the trees, the sky. Sensations were present, in fact, intensified beyond belief. But these sensations paled into insignificance compared to the feeling of love that followed, a love that engulfed everything in my consciousness until I lost comprehension of the process. This was Ananda, bliss. There was a moment or two for which I had no description, no thoughts, not even feeling. Afterwards, it was just bliss. It was still bliss as I walked back to my office. It was bliss when I talked to our contemporary secretary, but she was beautiful in the bliss, and I loved her. It was bliss when I taught my large freshman class the noise in the back rows, even the back row kid who threw a paper airplane was bliss. It was bliss when I came home and my wife hugged me and I knew I loved her. It was bliss when we made love later. It was all bliss. The feeling of all bliss did not stay long. By the end of the second day, it started fading. When I woke the next morning, it was all gone. A comparison 
with the literature told me that what I had experienced was called Ananda Samadhi. Samadhi was bliss with bliss as an after effect. The Sanskrit word Samadhi stands for a convergence of the two poles of experience, subject and object. In our ordinary ego experience, the split of subject and object is huge and quite distinct. In my experience, in that split second, there was hardly a distinction. So who am I then? The more stable ego I or this very special oneness I that took seven days of meditation to precipitate? How can the brain produce both experiences? Also, the aftermath of the experience bliss came to me as a capacity to love anyone. I was curious, can one have this capacity to have not just temporarily but permanently? So many questions and no answers. Is this how it is going to be, my journey of integration? I could not help thinking. Quantum physics began my journey. It also led me eventually to creative exploration of consciousness. When that culminated in a creative aha experience, the insight led to a quantum science of consciousness and experience that ever since have engaged in. Did this change my career? I had a tenure position and I never gave it up, but I never went back to a mundane way of doing physics either. I kept on publishing first some papers, then a book, then more papers, then more books. I fully retired in 2003, soon after I established the Center for Quantum Activism and activistic movement to spread the quantum worldview. In 2018, my friends and I established a fully affiliated master's and PhD program in quantum science of health, prosperity, and happiness, where we teach our students not only concepts, but also how to live them. And I still continue my journey in wholeness. Thanks so much for downloading the Spiritual Awakenings podcast. Do join us for the next episode.